Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. founder and CEO of Scouts Agency, a female-focused PR agency that specializes in getting women as guests on podcasts, and the author of The Emotional Entrepreneur, The Emotional Guidebook to Entrepreneurship. I also live with bipolar disorder. From being a college dropout to business owner, I have garnered up the healing tools from living with a mental illness to build my entrepreneurial life. Welcome to my podcast, where I ramble about mental health tips, entrepreneurial strategies, and mindset shifts so that you can act despite fear and live your life of purpose. I am so honored you are here. Pressing play means that you are ready to feel safe in your emotions. Let's get into the episode, shall we? Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am Scout Sobel, your host, and I am Fresh off of today's interview, I just left Saffron and Sage, where I interviewed the founder, Kristen Smith, which I'm going to introduce her in just a second because I am so excited about this interview. But first, I wanted to give you all a little heads up on a little rebrand, a little facelift, makeover, up level that Scout podcast is going through. Officially, next week, this will no longer be Scout podcast this will be the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. I am so excited to make this shift after launching my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur. I fell in love with the emotional well-being topics that come with the entrepreneurial lifestyle. It has been at the backbone, at the forefront, at the foundation of the conversations had on this podcast. And In the pursuit or in the spirit of really going for it, I've decided to create this brand a little bit more of a movement that lived beyond the book, but rather really permeated this podcast as well. So next Tuesday, this will no longer be Scout Podcast. It will be the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast. So if you have not subscribed to my podcast, now is the perfect time to do so. So that just in case you forget next week, it will show up in your feed and you will get notified of new episodes. It's going to be good. We have a book. We have a podcast. Maybe we have something else coming up under the Emotional Entrepreneur brand. But for now, this podcast is going to get a new name, which I'm really excited about because just in the past month and a half, I've brought on guests to talk about their entrepreneurial journey. So 
I'm really, really excited to make this shift and to really dive deeper and live deeper within the mission of my work, the emotional entrepreneurial mission of my work, of your work, and of this community. So, and while you're subscribing, if you would, or if you feel so inclined, I would be super honored if you would leave the show a rating and review. It is the best free way to support this podcast, and it truly means the world as I spill my heart, my soul, my emotions, my rawness into this podcast every single week. I would be so honored. So today's episode is a very, very special one. I have Kristen Smith, who is the founder of Saffron and Sage. If you have been following me on Instagram for a while, or if you listen to OKC's podcast, you know that Saffron and Sage is my wellness healing center, as I call it. It is the most beautiful, beautiful center in Little Italy, where I go every single month for cupping, acupuncture, Reiki, massage. I walked in the doors four years ago, which was actually the first time I walked into Saffron and Sage was the founding party, the launch party. And I very quickly became a member. I was in a very dark space with my bipolar disorder. And while I had been navigating the world of psychiatric medication and Western therapy, I really felt as if there was a part of my treatment and healing plan that was missing. There was a part of my soul that wasn't being nourished in the way I needed it to be nourished in order to continuously walk down that road of healing and implementing a more holistic Uh, natural modalities of healing was the missing link, the missing factor. So the minute I stepped foot into Saffron and Sage, which is so beautiful with their light gray walls and their beautiful neutral furniture and a gorgeous gift shop with the most insane things. I literally buy something from there every single time I get out of a treatment. I immediately signed up to be a member and have been a member for the past four years. Saffron and Sage has been one of the most instrumental and key consistent healing modalities, practices, and support systems I've had throughout my healing from bipolar disorder. And we talk a lot about the different types of uh, services they offer. Cupping is my absolute favorite. I am completely in love and actually going to back. I just left Saffron and Sage to grab a coffee, but I'm going back at 4 p.m. to get cupping with Vanessa today. But I wanted to have Kristen on because after being a member for four years, we've really developed this friendship and she has become such a source of inspiration for me as a female entrepreneur running a pretty major operation. And while we are in different fields and different business and businesses and industries, she has been every single time we meet together, we have a glass of wine and she's been able to support me and support every iteration of my career. When I went to her, I did not have OKSIS podcast. I did not have Scouts Agency. I did not have this podcast. So she's really seen the evolution of me as an entrepreneur and has been so incredibly supportive as someone who is years ahead of me, leaps and bounds ahead of me in the way that she has grown Saffron and Sage. So we have a really, really beautiful, honest conversation not only about healing and wellness and how to take care of yourself as an entrepreneur, but also how to have tough and important conversations with employees, the landscape of competitive wages as an owner trying to hire onto your team, what she went through during the pandemic, and so much more. She really, really opens up about how as the CEO and the leader of the business, she needs to make sure that she's breaking through limiting beliefs and she's expanding the ceiling for the rest of her team. We talk a lot about how 
to be vulnerable with your staff um, and yet still maintain that professional courtesy of understanding that she is the owner of the business. We talk a lot about employee to owner relationships, which was so eye opening. Everything she says just really, really touches me and I take every little bit and morsel of information she gives me and I really get to implement it into my own business. So I think this is one of those conversations between two entrepreneurs where the curtain is really pulled back and you get some nuggets of advice, inspiration, real life scenarios that you can take with you into your own business. So I hope you enjoy. And if you are in San Diego, I could not recommend Saffron and Sage more. If you go, let them know I sent you. Uh, I'm excited for your life to change. I'm excited for you to prioritize your healing. And I recommend no other place than Saffron and Sage for that. So I hope you enjoy this beautiful, candid conversation between me and Kristen. Hello, neutral, beautiful queen. (laughs) You're matching with this chair. What can I say? You were in like this tan camel color sweater with you are always wearing white jeans you are actually the only person I know that can rock white jeans that doesn't uh what is it you're not supposed to wear them after labor day or something I don't know if anyone does that rule anymore I don't don't. think that rule ever was upheld in you know since the 1950s it's 75 degrees outside it's gorgeous Uh, you know I'm upset at San Diego's weather you're ready for winter and to be cozy in front of the fireplace it was cold for like two days last week and now it's hot again, and the Santa Anas are coming through, and my skin is dry. Well, I keep trying to put away my my summer closet, and it's still in there for days like this weekend. Yeah. But you know the cure to dry skin, don't you? What? Two you, things. You do have a cure. <laughs> Let me hear it. <laughs> One, coming in to see Dr. Rachel or Dr. Amanda to getting our beauty IV, which is helpful for hydrating your skin and strengthening your nails and enhancing the shine in your hair mm. Two, and you, I know you know you use this but using our moisturizing set particularly our glow serum oh that is the best serum that's a really <laughs> really I actually am, I'm getting a treatment today at four are with, you um Vanessa she's my main your main she's my main go-to for the last four years until you know but then she went on a sabbatical for like a year but she's been back for a while she's she's, she's like my ride or die I see her consistently for cupping now I just like the concierge girls are like, oh, what do you want to book? I was like, whatever, put whatever down. <laughs> Vanessa will do whatever she wants exactly. by the time I get into the room. Exactly. Yeah, she's magical. She's magical. Do you know she was my first employee I ever hired? She was your first employee? My first employee. How did that feel? Like, what did that feel like when you, let's talk about hiring your first person. And I'm going <laughs> to, in the intro, I'm going to talk about who you are and how magical this place is. If, you know, I think everyone has heard me say the words saffron and sage over a hundred times, but what was it like hiring your first employee? Well, actually I was sitting right behind where you are now in the, in the hall here, um, outside of the now lounge. And there were two old like grungy office chairs left in the space from whomever was here prior. And I was sitting there with my feet up, my laptop and working. We had two and a half months to get the space ready to open. (laughs) And, you know, we just celebrated our four year anniversary in September. And so this was July of 2017. And uh, I remember I walked across the street to the coffee shop to 
um, meet Vanessa and do her initial interview. And she was referred by another practitioner that when we were doing pop-up events, most people don't know this, before we opened our flagship location here in Little Italy, we were doing pop-up events all around Southern California. And um, we have another practitioner that did all of our yoga and she had referred Vanessa to me. And I knew in that moment that this is who had to be our, our first acupuncturist to this day. She's our lead acupuncturist. And now we have four acupuncturists on staff. Wow. Yeah. I actually go to her for cupping. So she does acupuncture, fire cupping. It's my assistant. Harper? She's coming. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> Harper is her beautiful dog. Hi, Harper. Hey, beautiful girl. <laughs> I should have brought Looney, but that would have been too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vanessa does acupuncture and fire cupping. And have you done hypnotherapy with her yet? I don't think so, actually. She's amazing. She's been, I've been doing a two-hour session with her every week for the last like month and a half. And it's wow. been transformative. Okay, well, I'm seeing her today, so I'll ask her about that. There you go. Okay, let's talk about the fact that you just said that you go see her for two hours every single week. You started Saffron and Sage out of a health need. You were yeah. on a health journey, and you created the space, which to me, I just want to you know, tip my hat off to you, if that's the right phrase, because you're such a shining example. First of all, Saffron and Sage is a, a wellness community with a lot of holistic, alternative, natural-type medicine treatments, Reiki, acupuncture, cupping, breath work. But where I love Saffron and Sage so much is that you've really integrated the Eastern and the Western in such a beautiful way. You looked at what was at what was at our disposal in the healthcare situation, and it felt as if you didn't do this despite of it. You did it in addition to it in many ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, and um, it reminds me of um, really the etymology of our brand name and saffron comes from the saffron colored robes that the buddhist monks wore in um in burma and when they were protesting against this brutal regime this absolutely abusive government and these monks took to the streets in protest and instead of trying to topple the government mm. they lit themselves on fire oh shit in protest wow and that resonated so deeply with me and i thought this is the problem with the realm of holistic anything, right? Is that they want to badmouth big pharma. They want to uh, speak negatively about um, physicians and, and our healthcare system. And, you know, if I get into a car accident, please don't do Reiki on me and sprinkle essential oils. Like, please call the paramedics and yeah. let them shoot me up with whatever drugs they have. Like, yeah. we have the best emergency medical system in the world. Like, yeah. we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we need our healthcare system. And is it broken? Absolutely. Is that my job to fix it? Absolutely not. And mm-hmm. so my vision was really about creating uh another path forward right and so no need to topple anything but there's uh there was really a a hole in the market right and there was a a hole in our healthcare industry and and we're attempting at um providing a solution to that so yeah I came here four years ago I am a founding member which I tell everybody I wear it like a badge of honor as if it was like this title that was given to me I am a founding member which just means I have literally been a member since the first month someone told me about you and came I came to the opening party and I was really really deeply dark into my bipolar disorder and medication was making me feel worse but I was trying and 
doing everything I could within the therapeutic and psychiatric worlds and felt Mm -hmm. as if I needed another layer. And I was welcomed beyond beautifully into this space. And all of the practitioners have worked so gracefully with me on both sides of things, doing things to support the medication that I was once Mm -hmm. on or doing things to support the therapy that I was, uh, you know, attending and experiencing. So I never felt as if there was this tension between the two sides, but rather that it was a really beautiful collaboration of healing. Yeah. Just bottom line, healing. Mm -hmm. So that's been my experience here. I've been a Saffron and Sage evangelist for quite some time (laughs) now, but this podcast is really about the emotional side of entrepreneurship. And Mm -hmm. you are someone that I look up to so much as an entrepreneur. You, you know, when I met you four years ago, I was in the game, right? I was figuring it out. I was trying different things. And I think you've seen me go through many iterations of my career to land where I am today. And I feel very honored that I get to have conversations with you around employees and scaling and management now. And I feel as if, you know, I can kind of come to you for some of those things, even though our businesses are so wildly different. How, you know, for lack of a better term, how do you balance the fact that you created this space as a need to your own health journey? And yet this space has become work for you. How do you, you, you've created a home and a sanctuary and a temple for all of San Diego's spiritual and wellness healing. Uh, And yet maybe when you walk through the doors, you see the numbers, you see the systems, you see the employees. How do you maintain that relationship to your spiritual holistic healing while running this operation? Ooh, that's the question we're starting with? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes, that's the one. That is the one. Just jump right into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, that, I, I mean, you're right. I had a major health crisis uh, 10 years ago, and I had no intention of starting another business. I was already, you know, had run three businesses prior to that, and it wasn't on my radar. And it was really through uh, the rough and tumble um, journey that I had. And as you said earlier, when you came in, you were, you were met with this grace and supporting your journey. That was the exact opposite experience I had. I mean, I was sitting down with some of these doctors that were like, you're going to die. We need to like slice open your neck yesterday. I'm like, okay, great. You know, I'd like walk out of these doctor's offices and just get in my car and cry. And I was driving, I was living in Tijuana at the time. I was driving all the way to LA to see certain practitioners. I was getting certain treatments in Tijuana and just the process of trying to pursue what I call holistic healthcare and piece it together myself um, and manage that was so incredibly exhausting. And so, you know, Saffron and Sage really grew out of my health crisis and, and ultimately my wellness journey. And tell you, it's been incredibly hard because as you know, uh, the stress that comes along with running any business um, is immense. And especially when, you know, I, Uh, no one understood the business model, right? Nothing like this existed. And so when I was talking to bankers, when I was talking uh, to uh, VCs and and angel investors, nobody got it until we opened our doors. And so I had to to really bootstrap um, this place into existence. And it took us two years of blood, sweat, and tears. Um, And then the pandemic came. And then it's been another two years of complete exhaustion and overwhelm and trying to figure out um, how to pivot and how to take 
uh, next steps. So it's been incredibly challenging. And I, and I'll tell you, I've, I've really struggled with my stress response. Um, I think for me, I don't have the issue of, uh, coming in here, like I, I work all day. And then before I leave, I do my treatments and then I go home. And so that's my rhythm. I try not to come back and I, you know, set a hard line at, um, being in the clinic five days a week and taking two days to disconnect. And that's a practice I have with, um, every single one of my team members, practitioner, concierge, uh, is that they have those two days of respite so they can reset. Uh, but I think one of the beautiful things about this business and about this clinic is that um, all my employees, they treat me, right? We're just talking about Vanessa. Like she does um, my hypnotherapy. She does, you know, all the acupuncturists treat me, but you know, she's done my acupuncture and my fire cupping from the very beginning. And so I think it's really beautiful to have this relationship where there's a yielding and bending, right? Like I submit to them. I'm, I am in, in that moment, I'm a patient. I'm here to listen to them as the authority figure, as the practitioner who is, um, guiding, you know, anytime we're doing a training, it's always my holistic healthcare plans that they're looking at my medical records that we're going through so that they understand this integrative model. And so I have this deep vulnerability with my staff that I think has, uh, led to building, uh, an incredible brand and an incredible business. And, you know, I'm, I'm conjuring up pictures of my mind and I don't know if I should, if I should say this on your podcast, but when the shutdown happened, uh, last March, uh, we had to suspend all non-essential services. So our doctors and our acupuncturists were still working as primary care providers, but everybody else, um, we, we had to suspend, right? And so I started asking myself, well, how do we make the best use of this time, right? It's probably going to be 90 days that that um, the stay-at-home order will be in place. So what can we do? And, and one, I took that time to do a complete reorg of the company, like redo standard operating procedures, shift a ton of things. Um, but one of the most um, maybe scandalous things that we did is the rest of my practitioners came in and we did a breathwork training. We did um, eight hours a day for 30 days. We brought in the founder of this um holotropic breathwork style that was launched back in the 60s and again everyone's talking about COVID and things happening and you know we were spaced out uh in this place but we were sharpening our tools during that time and we were clearing our own trauma we were reprogramming these old organizing principles right that had held us hostage to some degree. And I think that is embedded in the framework of Saffron is that you can't lead anyone where you haven't gone. And so these practitioners, not only are they holding space for our incredible members like yourself, but they, before they come in, have to do their work. Mm -hmm. When they leave, they have to do their work. And I think uh, this is something I, I talk with my executive team all the time is one of the first, um, one of the first books I read when I was um, in financial services and, and the owner of the company who was my mentor, um, he would buy a book for us and every month we'd read a book together. And it was the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by Max Lucado, I think, mm. and really interesting book. Um, but, and I don't know which of the 21 uh, laws it was, but the one I remember to this day and I talk about all the time was the law of the lid. And what that means is as the leader of the organization, whatever my ceiling is, you know, you and I were just talking about manifestation a second ago, right? Whatever my manifestation ceiling is, whatever my uh, limiting beliefs about money or my scarcity mentality 
or, you know, any of these things, I create a container based upon my mentality and my beliefs. And so as, as the CEO, I have to break through that ceiling if I'm going to create an expansive space for this team to not only practice, um, but for them to grow and heal personally and professionally. Wow. There's so much that you said right there that we really need to dive into. One, the fact that as the leader, you hold the ceiling for the vision and, and the business and the organization is so incredibly true. In my book, I write that you have to set a higher standard in order for you to grow and evolve. Yet it never really occurred to me that that standard that you create as a CEO and business and, and sorry, CEO and owner is the standard that everybody else is going to live up to. So you have to constantly be expanding, pushing, working on yourself, uh, identifying limiting beliefs, identifying fears, because all of that trickles down positively or negatively. And you obviously want it to trickle down positively, right? There's something else that you said about being vulnerable to your employees. In the line of work that you do, it is all around healing. It is all around energy. It is all around fear. There's been many transformative experiences I've had in these rooms where I just start crying. There's a sudden release. I share what I've seen. They give me um, kind of a download or an assessment of the energy that they felt from me or which chakras are unbalanced, and we talk about it. I mean, Vanessa and I spend the first 15 minutes usually talking. How, as the CEO and the leader, because this is something that I struggle with on a different level in the sense that I put my life out there on this podcast, on OKZ's podcast, in my book. I'm very open about my experiences with mental illness and bipolar disorder, which many people thought should not be taken into the workplace. How do you create vulnerability in those relationships with your team while also remaining or while also solidifying your position as the boss and the leader of this beautiful business. It's a, it's a very hard balance. How do you approach that? Good question. Uh, I think first thing that's coming to mind is this idea of, um, modeling, right. And practicing what you preach integrity. And I think unless you disclose and, 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 and there's rings, right? Like, you know, something that I might share with my executive team, I might not share with my concierges, right? So there are these layers or these ripples. And I think that when practicing, you know, the art of vulnerability, it is important to be mindful uh, of, of who you're speaking with and what's what's going to be helpful for them to hear, right? And I think it's always a practice of discernment to know, uh, who, who should I be disclosing this information to, right? In fact, I just sat in on a meeting. Um, my uh, membership director who oversees all of our concierges was um, doing a uh, six-month review, and um, they're having an honest conversation about performance, right, and about uh, standards, standards of, of care and, and how to execute the role flawlessly. And um, in that, I disclosed and shared a piece of financial information. And this concierge turned ghost white, like, you know, the, the number that, you know, I shared with her, she was like, holy shit, that's massive. And so by me disclosing that number, which was a repercussion of, um, 
of, you know, a refund taking place or something happened because it was a brand new employee who didn't understand the policies and procedures, didn't communicate it to the client properly. And the client, you know, wasn't, didn't have the proper expectations, wasn't set up for success. And it created this customer service issue. Right. And, and, and so for me, what I was able to do was put a dollar amount to that for her. Right. And help her understand the ramifications of, of her actions. And I think it's all about framing. And, um, and so for me, it helped her understand because she saw Kimberly, who, you know, well, my experience director, my right hand have a really tough day on Friday and in part because everything rolls up to Kim. Right. And so Kim's dealing with the repercussions of refunds and cash flow, and, you know, today's payday. Right. And so, uh, if we're not hitting those goals and, you want to talk about difficult conversations. Let's talk about healthcare and healing in the same conversation as money. Right. And so, <laughs> so it's traversing all of those different topics. Um, but I, I think the, the, the connection that was made when I shared that piece of information helped her to understand why everything she does has such great magnitude. And to circle back to, you know, your experience here, like we're dealing with, with clients that, they're in a uh, sometimes very severe stage in their healing journey. You know, when you and I first met, I remember the heaviness and the weight and a lot of the darkness that you were moving through. And I think it's so beautiful that you have been so vulnerable in sharing all of these things because I think it helps paint a picture for what that journey looks like. And that's, um, I think, in everything I do, trying to paint the picture uh, to my staff about um, me as a patient, right? And so not just sharing the aspects of the business, but sharing what I'm going, my staff knows about my dating life. You know, they're aware of, um, you know, the the different elements I'm working through when it comes to men and relationships. And, you know, most of my exes are all members here, so they know them too. <laughs> but, you know, like I think it's uh, helpful that, you know, my staff who, cause we're a, we're a multi-generational, um, team here, right? So I have, uh, staff members that are 10, 20 years, my senior, and I have staff members that are like 10 years, you know, uh, my junior. And so I think it creates that, that posture of humility and that ability to have a dignified exchange. And I think the more that we practice that, behind the scenes on the back end as a staff, the more that my my team can then hold that space for our clients. And that's why I tell my team all the time, my job is to take excellent care of you. I don't worry about our patients. That's your job. Your job is to take excellent care of our of our members and our community here. And I see that happen through and through. So there's, again, so much that I would, I need a notepad. Like I need to like write down. <laughs> What's good? Cause I feel like I'm just rambling. You no, know me, I talk and run on sentences. No, so so many things that I, you know, the first is I feel as if having vulnerability within your business and your staff is a very new concept potentially within the business world. And I think it reaps many, many rewards such as feeling a sense of fulfillment and connection at work that might not happen if that vulnerability wasn't shared amongst the owner of the business to the staff. There's also this level that I'm experiencing because, you know, a year ago it was really me and one employee and now I have four employees. And so I do now, I'm at the point where I have a delineation between upper management 
and you know I'm not quite at the executive team level but I have an upper management girl who's kind of like my right hand at the moment and I as an open book with my content platforms I had to realize that there are some things you share with different different employees based upon their job title and their role and that it's okay to not disclose everything at all times because that doesn't help the shit move forward in a really beautiful way and so I've had to learn how to be discerning on what information goes where and what information do I keep to myself solely that I will bury with me as the owner right and so that's such a difficult for me it was a difficult thing to figure out because I'm such a open book with my mental health that I had to realize that when it comes to the business I do have to be discerning towards with with who I tell things to if that makes sense um the idea that healing and money have to be in the same conversation is such a crazy crazy thing for me to think about in many ways do you have any tips for having conversations with your staff let's say someone's listening to this they're newly into their business and they have to have a tough conversation with an employee what are some as you said graceful ways and dignified and respectful ways of having those conversations a couple tips that maybe you take with yourself into those circling around the, the conversation maybe about raises or about is that maybe the conversation raises that you're and thinking performance of? performance performance yeah. because I think that as someone I'm selfishly asking this question not that there's if my employees are listening I have none of you in mind at this exact moment um I'm just so bad at receiving constructive criticism and mm. so therefore I'm terrible at giving constructive criticism because as someone who's codependent I want everyone to feel safe I feel safe when everyone feels safe and I've had tough conversations with my team members over the years, and it's something that I want to get better at. But it is difficult to figure out a way to deliver factual news that might make someone uncomfortable, but yet have an underlying level of respect and love and support through that difficult conversation. Yeah. Oh, well, my executive team should be the ones that you're talking to because, I mean, Michaela, Kimberly, Jesse, these women like run circles around me when it comes to <laughs> having these conversations. And that's why they lead their departments because uh, these days they, they are the ones that have all of those conversations. But I have those conversations with them. And I think, you know, we, um, you know, what's coming to mind right now is uh, one of my mentors and coaches. And I think this is a, this is a separate topic, but as we're talking about, you know, like you said, what do I share with my staff versus what do I keep to myself? I think, you know, you build this executive team or your core, you know, upper management, as you said, around you, and then you have the rest of their, I always think in spider webs, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has, we have such a flat uh, organizational model here, but, uh, and, and they have their own team. So information is dispensed differently, but then beyond that, you have your mentors and your coaches and, you know, we have our board of directors who I'm able to go behind the scenes and have those conversations with them and they hold space for me. And I think, um, that's really important. But one of, one of my mentors and coaches, because, you know, during the summer we were trying to hire, we had, the spring things were picking up. People were finally coming out of their houses, coming back in. 
And um, all of a sudden we were like booked out like crazy and now everyone's complaining because they can't get an appointment, right? And so I'm like, oh shit, another problem. Like this is a good problem to have, but like another problem. So then we, you know, turn on the hiring and all the ads and everything and um, we can't find any, anyone, right? And in part because everyone is still getting unemployment, yeah. no one's wanting to work, inflation went up during this summer, all these things are happening. And the few people that we did come in wanted these exorbitant, salaries and you know we always tell people we look really big and although we have six thousand square feet like in little italy we are still bootstrapping and still recovering and we just came out of a pandemic which we, we were closed for like basically yeah, an entire year so tremendously and we are still on the road to recovery and having crisis days still at multiple every week and uh you know and we just we can't compete right and you see a lot of these big companies that are competing on huge salaries. I just talked to one of our other members who owns a big PR firm in town and she's like, I just lost a new hire that hadn't even hit 30 days because they got a, a, you know, a a new job with a higher title and higher pay and all these things. And so, you know, being one of the small guys in town, I, I just can't come with flashy offerings like that. And, um, all that to say, this mentor, this coach, he's he said something to me, and it totally shifted everything. He said, uh, you know, right now everyone's talking about living wages and you know paying these these um, you know these living wages. And he goes, um, he runs one of the largest accounting firms in the country, and he goes. I never pay living wages. And he goes, and I encourage all my businesses not to pay living wages. And I know this is very controversial. Mm. <laughs> I see I, your I, eyes. I are open. <laughs> he goes, we pay market wages. And he goes, I have to run an effective business and the numbers need to work. And therefore I can't pay exorbitant salaries. I can pay a market rate. That's how any business is designed is to be able to, if, if you've done your pricing properly, if you've done, you know, uh, all of your modeling properly, you're paying people a market rate. And, and I think that was like really comforting for me because I couldn't come say, yeah, we're going to give you six figures and we're going to give you a company car and a company credit card and you're going to get this, that, and the other and, you know, all these benefits and three months off a year and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I can't even, yeah. Imagine, and it is such a tough conversation. And I think um, what that, you know, and to me, and I think you can resonate with this as well, as entrepreneurs, we're so used to putting in the time and the sweat equity and going without and living on less like and that's how i've built this business like you you know i lived in a third world country you know to build saffron and sage and to to you know make you know run a business that i that i took and rolled all my profits into financing this and so i think looking at things like that are helpful when you're having conversations and you know, uh, part of our ethos is about not bringing in outsiders. We want people to start from the bottom and work their way up, fine tune their role and their responsibilities. And I remember we had a new employee. We'd finally, right at the end of summer, finally just hit the jackpot. I think we hired like six people in like mm. 30 days. And it was like our new um, finance director, new ops director. We had like all these different people. and um, And it was a... I think it was a 90 day review and, um, you know, the employee was asking about compensation and raises 
And I knew that there was a huge, huge place in town that was um, trying to poach this client. And I, I couldn't compete. And um, uh, Jessie, who's our, our marketing director, she sat me down and she goes, you are not gonna give her a higher wage, a higher pay raise than we would have given anywhere, anyone else. And she goes, we can't afford it anyways, right? Even if we were going to pull a, a number out of the hat, this is what we can afford. This is what's in alignment with the, um, you know, the, the pay grades and the steps that we have in place. And, and she said, you know what, the rest of us have been with you for two, three years and we've all paid our dues. Mm -hmm. We've all started from the bottom. We all still help take out the trash. We help clean. We help do everything. And if this individual is solely oriented around money and compensation, she's not for us. And it was like so encouraging to hear that this is this is the the philosophy that I instilled in my executive team and now they're you know sending it back to me and holding space for me in a time where I'm just terrified that if we can't keep and hold on to these people we're, we're gonna go out of business right and so it's kind of like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't right and it's like what do you do and we sat down and we uh, did that 90-day review. We gave the, the bump that we had planned on giving and um, she turned down the other offer and was totally thrilled. And she's been crushing it ever since. And I think it's when you build a business that's centered around your core values and you hire and you manage and you reward and you fire based upon those core values, Money is never going to be an issue, never going to be an issue. And I, um, I've seen that through and through. And I can tell you some of my staff, I can't afford, I cannot afford them. If I was that they, they are here because they are working. Yeah. They need, they need to put food on the table, but that's only part of it. And I think this is a new generation, uh, that's in the workforce right now. And I think that this whole, what's it called? The great, um, the great withdrawal. What is everyone like the great, like everyone's resigning? They're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and we haven't seen that. Like all through the pandemic, my whole staff was like, we're here. We're here. What can we help with? What can we help with? When people, when we came back to reopening, everyone was back here ready to reopen. Like everyone was committed. And I had other business owners that were like struggling to get people, struggling to keep people. Not my staff. They were all here. And I think uh, they are sold out for our vision. They 100% share our values. And that is the sort of culture you have to build. Still, you're going to have those difficult conversations about money, but money isn't the central conversation. And I think so often we've made our vocations and our careers only about what we can extract monetarily. And I personally have a view of vocation that it, it is about the, the compensation, but it's really about the contribution because in this place is where I'm able to share my strengths and my passion and my purpose and my experience and my education, like all of those things converge here and people are edified and transformed by their work. And so I think it's our role and responsibility as, as entrepreneurs to create these really beautiful businesses where people want to come to work. They love it. And yes, they, they are grateful that they get a paycheck, but they see the personal and professional growth that's coming out of it for themselves. And they see the contribution that they're making 
not just to the company, but to the community. You just pulled back a curtain that I actually don't think has been really talked about between from the entrepreneurial owner perspective in today's day and age. And I just want to thank you so much for doing that because I have heard from so many of my other, you know, entrepreneurial friends who are so far along in business than I am who have said, we're trying to hire and people are just asking for a certain salary, which is just, it doesn't add up for the business to make money and support them long-term or any of us long-term. And I think the term living wage has been, has gone through a transformation. It doesn't mean what it once meant. A living wage meant that you can put food on the table and you can afford your rent and you can have a good life. Now I think living wage in our generation has been conflated to a lot of luxuries, a lot of perks, a lot of added stuff. So when you said that living versus market wage, I don't think it's as controversial as people think it is because Mm -hmm. I believe the living wage that is being asked of right now is extremely inflated with modern society's luxurious add-ons. And that's a whole conversation in that I wish everybody can get to the point where they have that type of a wage and that type of a lifestyle. And I think that we all get to work towards that. And as entrepreneurs, if we're quote unquote not paying those competitive salaries because it actually physically won't make the business run. And there is there is that reality as the business owner that the business has to fucking run people and you got to like make decisions based off of that. Um, to create a culture that is not just about compensation but is about community and family and fulfillment is you're so spot on with this. I think that in today's age, you cannot start a business unless you're, I don't know, in like some traditional boring corporate situation. You cannot start a small business without those features entrenched in the daily day-to-day of your business. I think about it constantly. How do I make this feel like more than a desk job at Scouts Agency? You know, I'm taking my girls um, to Joshua Tree in February to this gorgeous Airbnb. It is absolutely beautiful. We're going all out. I want to talk to you, by the way, because I might want to. I know you guys are dabbling into some like offsite stuff. Yeah. Um, and you got to come to our corporate experience we did in Palm Springs. Oh, it was ago. so nice. And so that's exactly what sparked it. And so I think that you're so right. And this is a touchy conversation because there is a narrative out there of know your worth and then add tax. But there's also a conversation of, the reality of what will make this business work. And if you want to be a part of it, this is the reality of that situation. And I think you've done an incredible job. Obviously, everyone is still with you. But as a member, I feel it. I mean, I've said to you multiple times, I won't work for anyone but you. Like, literally, I will not work for anyone, except if I had to, I would work for Saffron and Sage. (laughs) Because there is that underlying mission and foundation and vibe and all of that. So bravo to you first of all and thank you for talking a little bit about that because I think as business owners that's a conversation we have behind doors right how do we compete with these salaries what is a living wage what is a market wage where does inflation come in what how do I make my business run in a way that has happy employees happy clients and a fulfilling life for all of us around because we care and that's what makes us good leaders I want to end with if someone is an emotional entrepreneur listening to this and they really value their mental health and their healing and they understand that, as we said earlier, breaking those limiting beliefs, healing our traumas, feeling our best self and really examining our personal well-being will only benefit and maximize and expand our passion, purpose and business. If anyone is listening in San Diego and wants to come to Saffron and Sage, what do you think the best tool is for an entrepreneur to help decompress and heal in your sanctuary? Well, I want our, our entrepreneurs doing three things right now. Um, 
first, I, I want them doing acupuncture. Acupuncture, like... Damn it, I fucking hate acupuncture. And <laughs> I, I don't like it, but I love it. It's like going to the gym. When I'm done, I'm happy, but I am a ball of fucking stress when I do that. But yes, it's amazing. Because of the needles, right? I'm Ooh. anti-needles too. And, like, it, and so it's ironic that two of my things involve needles. But acupuncture is going to support your physical body. It's going to support your mental, emotional state. In that moment, and I tense up too, and then Vanessa laughs at me. She's like, you're, you're anticipating the needle. You're clenching. I'm like, yes, because I'm afraid. And of course, it never hurts. If anything, there's like a shift of energy, right? But acupuncture is so helpful that like instantaneously, you're going to get off that table in 60 seconds or 60 seconds in 60 minutes. <laughs> it's going to feel like, 60, you know, and, and you're going to be totally transformed. And I think, you know, this is really... Um, the cornerstone of what we do here is we're really re reframing primary care. And most people don't know, you know, our, our staff is, they're doctors of Chinese medicine, right? Our acu and acupuncturists, and they are primary care providers in the state of California. And so what's beautiful is without needing to do any diagnostic testing with, which we do tons of diagnostic testing here, right? But in that moment, uh, the, the, Doctor of Chinese medicine, your acupuncturist is going to be able to come in and see what's going on um, by by evaluating your tongue, evaluating your pulse. They're able to do a mini assessment in that moment and see what's going on and customize a treatment plan for you in that moment. That's really going to shift things, right? So I think it is so integrative and uh, is not only going to help with. Um, immediate results, but we're going to work on root cause. Right. And so as an entrepreneur, I don't know any entrepreneur that doesn't have digestive disorders, right? Like all our female entrepreneurs, they all have endocrine disorders. Half of us have digestive disorders, uh, sleep disorders, like the wear and tear of running a business, especially if you're paying living wages instead of market wages <laughs> is intense and it's incessant. And we have to change our stress response. And with these three things that I'm going to talk about is essential. And I've been hardcore. I'm in here two hours a day every day of the week doing my work and I finally because it goes in ebbs and flows right there's chaos there's things happening and then I would go away and I'm like again law of the lid I have to be the epitome I have to be the most glowing person I have to have the best skin I have to have all of my anxiety in check, right? And so I'm called to the carpet to come back and do my work every single day because if I'm not doing it, how do I invite you to come do it? I, I have to be able to practice this. Um, and it, just the toll of the last couple of years have just totally wrecked havoc on me. And so it's I'm, I'm realigning. So acupuncture um, for all those reasons. Uh, the second thing is IV therapy. Most of us are not eating or we're drinking coffee all day. I mean, some of my entrepreneurs are like doing lines of Coke to try to like stay up, you know? And I'm like, okay, let's see how we can make some lifestyle changes and in transition or they're doing it to blow off steam, right? The pressure is so intense. And right now we're all either still in survival mode or we're in recovery mode with our businesses. And we don't know what the future holds. We never do, but even more so, right? And there's still uh, kinks in the system. And so uh, I, I really am underscoring and stressing um, injectable nutrition. Nutritional therapy is key. And we want all of our patients to be getting their, their vitamins and their minerals and everything they need from food, right? Because not only is it, is it giving us that energy, um, but it's also giving us 
the, the information that our cells need, right? To heal and to grow. And so that's so foundational and injectable nutrition because there are certain supplements that you need to take, or you have certain deficiencies. Um, you know, if you're low on vitamin B that we, we have, there are studies showing the correlation between vitamin B deficiencies and depression, right? Like let's look through an, a, a mental emotional lens. Let's look at nutrition through a mental emotional lens. And for me, because I hate taking supplements, I want to come in. I was here on Sunday. Dr. Rachel hooked me up to an IV. I was here for an hour. I got two custom IVs and I was like off to the races. And so I think um, we want to talk about biohacking. That's it. Let's really get in and fine tune our nutritional plans and and figure out something that's going to work with our busy schedule. So those are my first two. Uh, and the, the last one is breath work. So this is not your like, let's go to yoga and like take a couple breath of deep works. breaths. I get scared every time I do it. And you should because we have demons inside that need to be released. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, our, as you know, our philosophy here, and I'm so influenced by Dr. Bruce Lipton and his um, groundbreaking research on epigenetics. And his studies uh, really shape the philosophy and treatment model we have here, which is that the root cause of disease and illness comes from one of three things. Thoughts, trauma, and toxicity. And trauma is that overlooked piece. We tie trauma to the spiritual body here, right? And it's like, whether there was sexual abuse, whether there was physical abuse, verbal abuse, our perception, and that's really what he on earth was this idea of, it's how we perceived experiences and then they're how they were lodged or stored in our body. And so um, I don't want anyone spending money on therapy. I want them to come do breath work. I want to get to the root cause and clear it. I want to see us, you know, drop into that theta brainwave state, activate the subconscious and really start clearing the trauma and those, those narratives, right? Because they're all under the surface that we're not seeing, but they're influencing how we relate to our significant others. They're influencing how we relate to our staff, to our clients. And again, the, the responsibility, and this is why also, I mean, me being an entrepreneur, this is why a majority of our clients are entrepreneurs or executives, but this is why I'm so passionate about corporate wellness. And I'm so excited to talk to you about Joshua Tree and be helping. Like we're doing stuff for Google now. Like we're doing really small local businesses and we're doing really big multinational businesses because when the entrepreneur gets it, guess what they're doing? They're bringing it into their staff because they know that with their compensation, the staff maybe can't afford the same things that, you know, that the owner can. And so we want to see this, um, really sustainable path forward when it comes to holistic healthcare. So three things, breath work, IV therapy, and acupuncture. Those are my go-tos for everyone right now. Oh my God. And then I'll add my fourth cupping because I'm a ride or die. Yes. I will, I will literally, I don't know. What's the word? Go to, go to the steak for cupping. What's that phrase? I don't know. I've messed up every phrase I've tried to say today. So I, know, I mess up every phrase, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Cupping is my, <laughs> yes, but those things and cupping. Okay. I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. You're incredible. I'm talking to you over the past, every time I talk to you, it's incredible. So please let everybody know where they can follow Saffron and Sage on Instagram, how they can come in and get a treatment, all of those things. So you can follow us at, at Saffron and Sage San Diego uh, on Instagram. And um, you can find us in Little Italy. We have events happening once a week. And uh, we'd love to have you come in for con- complimentary consultation and Come and meet our staff and um, customize a, a holistic healthcare plan so we can figure out how to really transform your life. I mean, this is just fun, exciting things. So 
Yeah, and if there's any testimony, guys, I mean, the night or day transformation that I've had. Over, oh, my gosh. It's not night or day. It's been four years. But the, the Literally. transformation, it, I posted on my Instagram story that video I did for yeah. you guys. 360 degrees. Oh, my God. I did this promo video, you guys, for Saffron and Sage. And I found it the other day. And I don't recognize that girl. Yeah, And, and that was like a year, year and a half into yeah. all the work you've been doing. I, I Which mean, even got me to the point to get in front of the camera yep. and do something like yeah. that. And so anyways, if you know, come to Saffron Sage and find me here, cause I will be here, but thank you so much. I love you. I honor you and I respect you. And, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Scott Sobel. Okay. I'll catch you next episode. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scout's agency to OKSYS podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.